to the men and women who have served in times of war and peace. We honor you for your sacrifice. You heard the call to serve our country, left your home and family for us and for our children. To those who paid the price with blood, your scars are a reminder that freedom is never free. To those who courageously gave their lives, you will not be forgotten. We will forever be in your debt. From land, air, and sea, you fought. Not out of hate for your enemies, but of love for your country. However you served, wherever you are, may the Lord bless and keep you. For your courage, strength, and valor, we stand and say, thank you. Thank you, veterans. Well, will those who are veterans remain standing just so that we know who we're thanking? Take a look around. We truly, truly do honor you with all our heart. I um, invited Ken to give the word today. I really wanted today to have a um, focus on honoring veterans and also a, an opportunity to hear from someone who can bring understanding to us of what it's like um, being in the military. And, you know, sometimes Veterans Day does look back 100 years or 70 years, but we are... We are fighting wars right now, and there are families impacted by it right now, by impacted by serving in the military, and I want us to be alert to that, just as Susan uh, mentioned, stopping someone in the mall and just saying thank you. And so I appreciate Ken's willingness to preach to us today. I, he's going to have a great word from God for us, and will you welcome our friend, and he lives here now, folks. It's not, it's not a long-distance relationship, so our friend Ken Kleiner. Hey, y'all. All right, so I always try to have a good joke, and so here's my Veterans Day joke. What time did the veteran go to the dentist? No, 2.30. <laughs> that was a good one. Come on. Hey, it's great to see you today. I'm excited about being here. Um, I want to just start out today by giving you, before I give you the message of the Lord out of my heart, but just some, some uh, points about today's military force and our, our veterans that have served. We have a few World War II veterans left amongst us. Most of those have gone on, um, have passed away. We have some in Korea, Vietnam veterans with us. But um, there's something that changed with our military force in 1973. Um, prior to 1973, our force was draftees. And so they, they were drafted into the military and they served uh, as part of the military, but they were drafted in. They always had some volunteers, but most of our main military force was drafted. Since 1973, we've had an all-voluntary force, which is 
really something different that, that, that you see. And so we have people that are choosing to lay down their lives, to serve their country because of this thing that we call freedom. Um, for us, it's, it's kind of our heritage. It's, our, it's the family business, per se. It's, um, um, so my family, my, my great sometime grandfather way, way back actually arrived on the Mayflower, and I can give you the name of every single person in my heritage from every war that we've had of a, as a nation who has served in that war. My grandfathers have done that over and over and over and over and over and over. I served, my sons are serving. We, that's what we do. It's, it's, it's because we are so thankful for this freedom that we've been giving. And so we serve. There's a couple things I wanted to tell you is that um, um, a few points of reference for those that are serving today. Um, most of your active duty military today and your reserve military force have at least two year-long deployments under their belt. That means they went, uh, left their family for a year and they went into a war zone. Um, so, which is interesting. Young people enlisting in the military in 2001 as a result of the 9-11 attack, we went to war, the war on terrorism. We've been a part of that. Those that are, that are entering into the military today have never known anything but war. We've been a nation at war since they were, since they realized what's going on, which is something that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, you think about it, you go, wow, how many military, military people are there? It seems like there's, there's so many, but really the military consists of about a half of a percent of our population. It's, it's actually a very small segment of who we are. Believe it or not, 56% of our military force are married. And as a result of that, there's more family members associated in the military, more military family members than, are actu than there are actual military members. So there's about 1.4 million military, another seven to 800,000 reservists out there that support, that are defending our nation. And there's 1.9 million family members for active duty and a, and a slew more for those that are in the reserve force, so I, they, I couldn't find that number. So, so the impact of our force and what happens with our force extends well beyond just those active duty military people. And so it, it's just um, something to realize. The Department of Veteran Affairs, uh, how many have heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress, right? We kind of know what that is, right? People go into traumatic events and they come out of a traumatic event and they have to get some, some healing. There's some emotional issues that they've got to worry about. Um, about 31% of our veterans that come back from conflict have to deal with um, uh, PTSD. So 31%, so about a third of them is an opportunity for you and I to share the love of Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity to share it with all of them, but to be somebody of healing as the church. We have an awesome opportunity as a church to reach out and touch those around us. In the, in the Washington, D.C. area, there's a bunch of military people or people associated with the military, retired military, people that served and are now um, serving in the federal government. What an incredible opportunity that we have to be Christ to these people that need Christ, to be healing to these people that, that need healing. And so uh, we serve a great nation, and we live in a great nation. 
And so I'm so thankful for that. So before I share um, the message that I believe the Lord gave me to share with you today, I want to introduce you to a couple of people, and I want to ask them to just share a couple of things. Uh, The first person I want to introduce you to is my brother-in-law. So he's married to my sister-in-law, Danelle, her son Noah, and daughter Faith. But my brother-in-law, Command Sergeant Major Rick Christ, he's an active duty Command Sergeant Major, what that means is he's not just a sergeant. So in the, in the military force, you have an enlisted rank side and an officer rank side. On the enlisted side, the highest that you can go is sergeant major. So he's got to the top. Once you get to the top of that enlisted rank side, if you do exceptionally well, you get selected to be what's called a nominal sergeant major. And it's a command sergeant major. And you get to go to work for a general officer and, and give, be the voice for the force to our high-level leaders, okay? Command Sergeant Major Rick Christ is that. And so, Chris, if you could just stand. And, and I, I'd just like for Chris to just share two things with us today. A couple of them is, is uh, the first one is just tell us why you're serving. And maybe the next one is just share for a minute about what it is to, to be... Uh, spend a year away or, or multiple years away from your family and what the impact is that is and what do you do what what, what how do you deal with that stuff um, so just like then it's been a business um, so I was probably in early grade school when it kind of hit me looking through my grandfather's collection of military books and studying that oh every picture of every male in my family is with uniform on at some point in time in their early adulthood. Um, and I just kind of knew, like, I'm a little kid, I'm going to serve. At least for a while. Good knowledge was going to stay 26 years. But hey, it, it turned out great. Um, so currently, I serve because of the people. Um, the soldier, in my case, from the Army service, um, is the most important thing that we have um, in any of the branches of the military. It's the individuals, uh, great, great, phenomenal people that I've met throughout my uh, 26 years of service and I continue to be born. Um, so that's probably the, the why. Um, and then what it's like to be gone. So I've served three years of the 26 in combat, um, primarily with uh, round infantry units. I'm a combat medic by trade. So infantry platoon, there's one other person in that. He's <coughs> a medic, there's some on infantry guys. Um, I think the biggest takeaway, this is the biggest experience that I've had. Um, I've been married for all three of my deployments. Uh, my first deployment, my daughter was in diapers. And when I came home, she was talking and running around, and it was wild. Um, and my second deployment, same thing with my son. Um, Probably the, the biggest experience for me was the changes throughout the several years of my deployment with technology and our ability to contact our families. My first deployment was very early on in the world, and it was months without calling on the 
talking to my wife when I was cooking. I was out in the mountains somewhere. Um, my last deployment was almost 10 years later in that same country, and we had cell phones. <laughs> we could like Skype while we were out on patrol. It was almost surreal, um, the changes in that 10 years. So that was probably the biggest impact for me in the Thank you. Thanks, Chris. <clears throat> so I'm not going to have them stand up, but I'm going to offer up to you, if you have questions after the service about what it's like to be a spouse of somebody that's deployed for a year or a daughter or a son of somebody that's deployed for a year, talk to them. Go up to them and say, hey, what is it like? What, do you, what is that about? So. So reach out and talk to them. Second person I want to introduce you today is, is Captain Kenny Kleiner, my son. Captain Kleiner, is, um, he's a, an amazing young man. He, um, he went to uh, college and, um, and said, wow, college is expensive. I think I'm going to do an ROTC scholarship. And so he went on scholarship, and, and Kenny uh, became a combat engineer, and he spent time in deployed downrange and he's experienced some things that are that are difficult and he's um he's seen some things so his his job when he was deployed downrange was to go in front of the infantry guys him and his platoon and to clear out all the bombs so that they could get by without getting blown up right that's what his job was so it's a difficult situation difficult job he was gone 13 months if you want to find out what that's like for a parent ask his mom don't ask me so I, I was a, the good news, here's a little story. I was, at the time, was working in the intelligence community overseas, and so he was on these missions that were secretive and all this stuff, and I could just pick up the phone and call him and, and say, hey, okay, what's going on? Do you know about the intel here? You know what's, you know what's happening there? So, that, so it's a little bit different for me and my relationship with Kenny when he was deployed because I, was, I, was I felt like I was helping him, and if I feel like I'm helping, then it's different. But ask Ask his mom on what that's like. Kenny, can you stand, please? And just, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Tell, tell everybody why you're serving. And, um, and then talk about what it's like to lead soldiers uh, into combat and, and being a leader and knowing that, that you may be bringing people into harm's way. Sure. All right, Kenny. Um, the reason I joined the military, college was really expensive. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's, it's the family business. Um, my dad and my school as a kid growing up, and all your heroes are wearing a uniform. You're like, okay, if I want to be a cool guy, I got to wear a uniform too. And so that kind of led into it, just kind of wanted to follow and be like my heroes. Um, leading troops in combat, it's uh, unlike anything you'll ever do. Um, you know, you got parents all walk up to you and they want you to keep their kids safe. And, you want to encourage them the best you can, but at the end of the day, you've got soldiers following you, and you have to make decisions that, and they're following in blind faith. Kind of very similar to religion, right? I mean, you follow Jesus and walk in faith. Um, very similar circumstances. Your soldiers, you want to run over the hill. They're not thinking about what's over the hill. They're just like, all right, hey, now if he said to do it, I gotta go. Um, when you're making those decisions, uh, obviously sometimes things don't go the right way. We were unfortunate to lose some guys, and the my dad talked about it at the beginning. It's just one of those things that you carry with you forever. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it's like being truth in common. 
But at the end of the day, it is also the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life. Um, there's nothing like having a bunch of grown men come together, um, hugging on each other, loving on each other, um, getting each other through everything. It's, it's truly the biggest family and the biggest change for the world. So. Great. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks. And I will say that the Kleiner boys produced the most beautiful grandchildren ever, so you can <laughs> check out Rory downstairs. So we've got a lot to be thankful for as citizens of the United States, don't we? We have a lot to be thankful for. So thank you to our veterans. Thanks, Stan. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kenny. And for all that serve, thank you for your service. For all that, that have served, thank you so much. Thank you to the spouses. I know it's Veterans Day, but you know what? We don't do anything without those that mean the most to us, our, our spouses and our kids. It's, you know, if that's not right, we can't, we can't do what, what we need to be doing. And so, um, so thank you for that. And thanks for the parents who've made that sacrifice that you send your kids out there. And it's all so that we can live in the freedom, the freedom of religion, the freedom of worship, the freedom to make decisions, the freedom that our, that our girls can go off and do great things. And this great nation that we serve, you know what? You read the news and you see the turmoil and you see the strife, but that's not what we were founded on. That's not what we were founded on. We, we are a nation, a great nation, and we need to remember uh, um, why we exist, why we were founded, and we need to celebrate that, especially as believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so I have 15 minutes to preach a 30-minute message, so hang on. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it pretty quick. So today I want to talk to you a few minutes about the warfare. Speaking of veterans, did you know everybody that's a believer in Jesus Christ is a veteran? We, in, in God's army, right? So... We, I want to talk to you about the warfare that we experience as believers in Jesus Christ. And my hope is, is that you're going to leave here today with a few tools that will equip you to live your life as more than a conqueror. Because that's what God has called you to be. Did you know that God just didn't call you to sit on the sidelines? He didn't call you to live your life in a way where you're, where you're hit and miss, where you're ups and downs in your life like that, what God called you to be is more than a conqueror. How many would say that you believe that today? About half of us. Awesome. <laughs> Let's try one. How many say you believe that today? Okay. How many would say you're living that way today? Yeah, everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know to raise my hand. I don't want to be held to that. That's what I do sometimes. I like, I don't want to make that commitment. And Denise, come on, you know, let's go. So, so um, you know, living that way sometimes is a little bit a different story. And, and knowing it in our head is different than knowing it in our heart. And knowing it in our head and heart is different than taking that step of faith and walking it out, isn't it? It's a little bit harder. And why is that? I think it's because we're, we're in this war and, and the war happens in our heads. And it's in this, this spiritual, emotional war zone that goes on with all these thoughts and these, these, these stinking, thinking nastiness that happens in this spiritual battle that's going on around us. And we have these emotional bombs that go off in our lives, and we go, boom, and we're like, oh, man, what happened there? And, and then we have a firefight, a physical pain, 
or, or cancer or sickness or something that happens in our life. We go, oh, wow, what about that? And, and we're struggling there. And then we have friendly fire, which is Christians attacking Christians, which should never happen. And we got people that have left the church because I'm not going to serve a God that looks like that. And so we have this friendly fire going on in our lives and we have Christians that are offending us. And we go, oh, what about that? And we got this craziness that surrounds us. And, and because we, we see with our eyes and we experience with our emotions, because we're emotional people, we forget that we already won the war. We forget that we are more than conquerors, not because of who we are, not because of what we think, not because of what we see, but we're more than conquerors because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Because you are more than a conqueror because he's already run the, won the war. But we don't live that way. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, our banner in this life should be Psalms 91. And Psalms 91 is popping up right here, right now. And, and it's the guide on that we should carry before us. Listen to what this says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will not can find rest. I want to, you know, we, we sometimes live it like, well, if I live in the shelter of the Most High, then I can find rest. That's not what the scripture says. It says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. And, I, and this I declare about my Lord. He alone is my refuge. He is my refuge. He is my place of safety. He is my God. I will trust him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His promises, his faithful promises, not just any promise, faithful promises are your armor. They are your armor and your protection. Do you see what I'm saying here? We don't live our lives in that way. So we don't be afraid of the terrors at night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. We don't dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, guess what? Christian, these evils will not touch you. Hallelujah. They will not touch you because of who we are in Jesus Christ. So I have news for you this morning. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. And this spiritual battle we're in the middle of looks dangerous. It's scary. And you may look fearful. And it may fear surrounding you. It may look like something that you really, really, really need to worry about because you don't know what the end result is. It may look like sickness. It may look like cancer. It may look like poverty. It may look like need. It may look like it's going to destroy you. But I'm here to encourage you today and say that because those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You will find rest because He alone is your refuge. He is your place of safety. He is your God, and you trust him. Amen? See, the problem we encounter with living a Psalms 91 life is the difficulty that surrounds us, and, and we don't believe it because the problems that are around us seem bigger than what they really are. 
That's the warfare piece that goes on in our mind. That's these thoughts that we got to get a hold of. And it's impossible for us, for you and I, to live in the joy of the Lord when we feel like we're bound and imprisoned by all this stuff that's going on around us. So today I want to get, are you tracking with me today? I got to go faster. So today, I want to give you three tools that you can use to get your eyes and your mind and your heart focused on victory in Jesus rather than the situations that surround you. And these three tools, I'm just going to tell you what they are up front, okay? We have to keep our eyes focused on our commander, who's Jesus Christ. Number two, we have to trust our battle buddies. And number three, we have to eat our calories, and that's in direct response to Pastor Brenda saying that we needed to start fasting last week. It hurt me in the heart. So, so anyway, I'm just joking. So to live a victorious life, this life that it talks about in Psalms 91, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hebrews 1, or 12 verse 1 says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do we do it? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? The champion who initiates and protects our faith. Now, don't you hate it when someone just gives you that just ignore the problem and it'll go away answer? Have you ever been through that before? Is it, well, man, my elbow hurts. Well, just ignore it. It'll go away. Or, 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 or your, you know, your kid gets hurt or something. You pick him up and say, oh, you're right. You're right. Just go. Well, it's different when we're older. If we're hurting, we don't want somebody to say, oh, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just ignore it. You know, there's a doctrine that goes around sometimes and we, that, that calls that faith. And that's really not faith. That's really not what faith is about. It's, it's keeping our eyes on Jesus. It means making a choice to focus on Jesus and what his word says rather than the situations around you. It's not ignoring it. But it's saying, you know what, I'm going to believe what God says about it rather than what the situation says about it. It doesn't mean that the situation or the circumstance goes away. It just means that that I choose to live in his joy and I choose to live in his peace and I choose to live in his provision in spite of what the circumstances that surround me say about it. Do you guys catch the difference there? It's not just saying, oh, it doesn't exist, so therefore it isn't. It's saying it does exist, but what God says about it is more important than what I think about it. It's a different thing. See, the problem is that these thoughts come into my mind all the time. And and as something happens in my life, I have a thought, and then that thought follows me around. And then my intellect, because I'm a smart guy. How many else would say you're a smart person? About a third of us. So all you dumb people, close your ears, okay? No, I'm just kidding. We all think we're smart, right? Right? So we do. And so what happens is that we, our intellect gets involved, and, and, and I begin to have this argument in my head, and I begin to agree with those thoughts and those fears and those things that I encounter rather than what the Word of God says about those things. Have you ever been there? See, God says I'm an, I'm an overcomer. But my thoughts say sometimes that I'm a failure. 
And because my thoughts bombard me, I begin to think like a failure instead of think like an overcomer. And when I do that, Psalms 91 falls on the ground. I lose my guide on. You know the thing that you never want to do? When you have a guide on, remember those movies in the war? You'd have a guide on, the, the armies would be charging, the guide on would fall on the ground. The first guy that saw it fall, what would he go do? He'd pick it up. Because the guidon needs to go before us. And when the guidon falls, we need to pick it up. But what we're doing, Christians, is we're letting it lie there. And we're going, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Because our intellect gets involved. You know, God says I'm an overcomer. My thoughts say I'm a failure. I'm a loser. God says I'm a winner. Sometimes my, my thoughts go, eh, not so much. God said he's going to provide for all of my needs in accordance with his riches and his glory. And my thoughts say, I'm a mess and God has abandoned me. And I call this the monkey of intellect. It's my little pet term for it. Because it's like a monkey that grabs onto you and just sucks the life out of you. And you can't get rid of it because it's so cute, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about? But this monkey of intellect grabs a hold of you and speaks the complete opposite of what God says about you. And we choose to believe a monkey rather than God. Right? And it robs us of our freedom. Let me give you an example today. Uh, Paul, come up here for a second, okay? I'm going to try to do this really quick. Just come stand right up here. Paul, I dub thee Jesus. So, Paul's Jesus, okay? Bob, one thing they teach you Jesus, he's where he needs to be. Everything is great and it's going on. And then what happens is if I walk in life and I hit a little bump. Oh, I hit a little bump. I get a, I hit a little bump and all of a sudden I've got this thought that I'm carrying around with me. It's a cute thought. <laughs> and I like the thought. And I'm related to it. I have to like it. But I like it and I walk around with this thought and, and everything is good and blinded to Jesus. You know what you do? You give them to Jesus. Here you go, Jesus. Can you hold on to these thoughts for me? <laughs> and as soon as I do, I'm free. I'm free. I don't have to deal with my thought patterns anymore. Did, do, did they go away? 
Are they still there? But do I have to worry about them? And I don't have to worry about them because Jesus promises me that he's going to take care of them. Amen? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yay. You see, when your thoughts are in the arms of Jesus, they don't have any power over you anymore. I'm going to say that again because that was really, really good. Nobody said amen. When your thoughts are in the arms of Jesus, they don't have any power over you anymore. They don't. Jesus is all powerful in your life. That's called keeping your eyes on your commander. And that's what God calls us to do. It's living in the truth of his word in relationship with Christ. When something comes into your life and you go, oh, I don't know how I'm going to overcome that because it's a temptation that I really like. You know what I do is I say, hey, Jesus, can you take that? Because there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with temptation make a way of escape so that you can bear it. Amen? When I don't know which directions to go, I, I, I give it to God. And, and I say, you know what? I may plan my way, but God, I know you're going to direct my path. I know it. When I, when I don't know where the, the next meal is going to come from, when I'm struggling because I just don't know how the, the situation is going to happen because I've, I, I got a work problem and all these things and these fears start coming at me. You know what I do know? I know I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And I change my thoughts because the problems go to Jesus and I begin to focus on the truth of what God says about the problems. And all I have to do is I ask because when I ask, the Bible tells me that I shall receive. Not based on how good I am, not based on anything else, but only based on his goodness and his glory. Amen? So we've got to keep our focus on Jesus. It doesn't change the circumstances. This isn't a message of faith that goes, that says, yes, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, everything disappears. Because it doesn't disappear. What disappears is your fear. What disappears is your worry. Because you give it to the Lord. And when you know that God has it, you can walk in a peace and a joy that passes understanding. Because you're in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So give it to God. Man, I am really running late. Really fast. Second thing you have to do to live a Psalms 91 victorious life is you got to trust your battle buddies. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multiple of sin. One of the things I, that they teach you in the military is never to go into battle alone. You need your people. If you go in alone, you're going to be killed. Because you don't have anybody watching your side, you don't have anybody watching your back, and you don't have anybody over on the overwatch that's telling you when the enemy's coming. That's what your role is, Christian, is to be the battle buddy for those people that are around you. You need to talk and speak into people's lives. You need to be able to say, hey, something's about to happen. You're, you're providing overwatch, Right? You need to know the people in your church. You need to know the people around you. You have to be in relationship with them, embracing them, because you have a job. Our victory in Jesus Christ is dependent upon us walking this Christian life together. 
It's dependent. You can't have victory in Jesus without relationship with other believers. Let me be a little more strong than that. Maybe, maybe you can't have victory at all unless you have a relationship. Or maybe even a little more stronger, you're going to fail as a Christian if you don't have relationship with other people. See, Western culture gets this piece of the Christian pie wrong an awful lot because we have our work friends and we hang out with our work friends. We have our family who hang out with our family and we go to church. But at church, we really don't get to know anyone because we put on our nice, happy Christian mask and we go, hey, God bless you. God is so good, isn't he? And we come in late and we say, hey, love you. Good to see you. And we leave right away early because we're going to go do something. But really what we're doing is getting away from the people. Because we don't want to have relationship because somebody's going to look inside of me and they're going to know that there's an issue or there's a problem. You know what? The reason that you're here today is because you have issues and problems. That's why we're, that's why I'm here. I got issues. I got problems and I need Jesus and I need you. I have to have that relationship with you. And you know what? If you analyze me and judge me because of it, then that's not bad on me. That's bad on you. And I'm not going to let you hurt me. I'm going to be transparent with you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to teach you how to love me. Amen? Amen. See, believe it or not, it's not Pastor Brenda's job to encourage you. Her job is to challenge you and to pastor you, sometimes beat you and love you. Your job is to encourage each other, to know each other in such a way that you're speaking life and encouragement, to tell them that, that they're doing awesome, to 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 exhort one another so much as you see the day approaching according to Hebrews. Exhort means to strongly encourage. It doesn't mean to say, hey, you did a good job. Encouragement. It's strongly encourage. It's, wow, Ken, you are especially anointed today. (laughs) It's, wow, Ken, your hair looks amazing, right, honey? So, no. She always makes fun of me in my hair. That's why I said that. God has such an incredible plan for you. Wow, Ken, you are so amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. And I'm not asking you guys to give me those kinds of encouragement. I'm using myself as an example, okay? But if you want to later, it's okay. No, but it's like this. It's like, wow, I call Rachel, Rachel Claire. You know why I call her Rachel Claire? And she, that's really not her middle name. But I do it because I love her like a daughter. And I named her Rachel Claire. From the beginning of when we met, I love her, and, and, I, and I speak life into her, and I tell her, you know what, you're doing such a great job with your kids. You know how often she may need to hear that? I may not even know, but I see her being a mom, and I say, wow, Rachel and Tom, you guys are doing awesome. I'm speaking life. I'm speaking encouragement. It's what my job is. It's who I'm supposed to be. Wow, Pastor Brenda, such an encouraging message today. Thank you for speaking directly into my heart. Where did we get off as Christians of being able to speak truth? We we say, well, I don't want them to have pride and get built up. That's not building them up in pride. That's being polite and saying, wow, thank you so much. I'm not asking you to be fake. I'm asking you to be real. I'm asking you to let God change your heart. So did you become an encourager? So did you see the goodness instead of everything else going on around you? Don't be fake. Just get the monkey of intellect off your back. 
and go be what God has called you to be. Man, I am running late. Go be what God's called you to be. Amen? I'm going to finish up here. I have a lot more to talk about. No. Let's go on to the next one. I know. There we go. So the third thing that will help you live a Psalms 91 victorious life is you got to eat your calories. You know what the military spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on something called meals ready to eat. And there's and you know what? Some of them are pretty tasty and some of them are just downright nasty. If you've never had a rehydrated pork patty, it's just you got to try it, you know. But it comes with the calories that you need to be able to survive. Because you know what? You have to be able to eat. What is it Napoleon that is quoted as saying, an army marches on its stomach? That's what Napoleon said. And so we know that we have to have the calories to survive. But that's not the kind of calories I'm talking about today. The calories I'm talking about are the kind that come from consuming the word of God. We have to have a daily appetite, a daily input of the word of God into our life. And if we don't, we're never going to live a Psalms 91 victory life and be able to hold our guide on because we're just not going to have the strength. You see, in order for us to change the way that we think, in order for us to change the way that we fellowship, we have to embrace the Word of God and consume it as if our life depended on it, because it does. We have to find the way the Bible tells us to live and live it that way, no matter what's going on in our head. You've got to find what the Bible says about relationships and live it that way, no matter what people around you are doing. You need his word. It's got to be a big piece of your daily input. It's a simple algebraic equation. The proportion of God's word that I intake directly is directly proportional to the victory that I have in Jesus Christ. It's directly proportional because his word changes the way that I think. Because it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides between joint and marrow. And listen to this. It judges the desires and the thoughts of the heart. His word even gets to the thoughts of the heart. And that's because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what it says in Psalms 105, right? He, he guides me. He directs me. His word changes me, and it drives my success. His word rips the monkey off of my back and allows me to throw it away because it changes the input cycle of what is being said to me. So now instead of listening to all the junk, I listen to what he says. And I put up here, just go to the next slide real quick. Here's a, I'm not even going to talk about them, but you know what I did? There's... 12 papers, so if you can do one per family or whatever, whatever you want to do. I printed out 12 of them. If you don't want it, don't take it. These are all printed out there of what God does word for you. On the bottom of that is my very, one of my very favorite um, uh, devotional guides. I use it all the time, and I put it on there as well. So you guys, if you want something to read, you can go do it. It's on the front pew right here. Just grab one if you'd like it. But we've got to change the way that we think. We got to know that God's word said it's going to give us good advice. And and so, so, so many more. These are just a few of them. So let me clarify something just before I close today. Listening to a sermon is great. Listen to sermons. Come to church. Attending Bible study is amazing and awesome. 
listening to what other people say about God's word is amazing and awesome. Hearing a teacher break down scripture for you is intellectually stimulating and will encourage you, but you are never, ever, ever gonna experience the fullness of God unless you get into his word personally. It just doesn't work. You have to get into his word because in his word, he speaks to you. He speaks to you. You need to hear from him directly. So Christian veterans, and I'm here, I'm closing out here real quick. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He can deal with the distractions. Choose to trust your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just become an open book. Make a friend and emerge yourself in God's word. Would you stand with me today real quick? And I'm just going to ask you to just bow your heads and to close your eyes. And something that I do that may be a little different than we're used to here is something that I believe the Lord told me to do. And that is I never, ever want to speak a message without giving you an opportunity to respond. I want to challenge you for a personal response. And I'm not going to call you up here to pray for you. I don't have time for that. So you know that's not going to happen. So, but I'm going to ask you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never given him your life, you may have been in church your whole life. But if you've never given him your life, would you just say to me today, Pastor Ken, I want to know more. I want to accept Jesus in my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. The second question I have for you, since we're all Christians in here, is maybe today you're struggling and your guide on is laying on the floor. And you want to say today, Lord, I need your help. I want to pick it up. I want to go be amazing and do amazing things for you. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk in peace. I surrender it all to you. And if that's you today, would you just raise your hand in the air? And I want to just pray with you real quick. Amen. So, Father, you see the hands up all over this place. And, God, I just pray right now for your peace. Lord, we confess that we have sinned by hanging on to this stuff. We've made it Lord. We don't make it Lord anymore. Forgive us of our sins. Grab a hold of us, Jesus. Change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.